Welcome to the Lady Palace Podcast. We are your hosts, Bella and Amanda. We're just a couple of gals who are on a mission to shake up the status quo around women's health. Come and delve into the depths with us as we start the conversations to empower, educate, create change and connect you back home into your lady house. Now it's up to every woman to know what's inside of the ovaries, the womb, every part of her vagina. They're different sizes, shapes and all colours. Life starts from a yoni, straight from our mothers. Fertility, new creation and the taboo. Let's start a conversation. Your yoni is your homie, so lift her up higher. Ladies say you're proud, I love my vagina. Woman, power, goddess, flower, lady, palace, clit, clit. Boom. I'm a woman and my body is a temple And my yoni is connected to my mental Alright, it's the Womb Tang Clan With Valor and Amanda Welcome to another episode of the Lady Palace Podcast This episode, we welcome the divine Angela Maria hernandez Sa. Angela is originally from Ecuador, South America She's a psychotherapist, has a degree in psychology, a master's degree in arts management, and a master's degree in counselling and psychotherapy. Her work and life experience has been in community settings and non-for-profit organisations, including working with vulnerable populations in the context of trauma. Angela has also worked as a volunteer in emergency brigades in mental health relief after natural disasters. Angela is currently completing further studies in integrative somatic trauma therapy with the world's leading professionals in the field. She's also completing a mentorship in ancestral wisdom and collective healing with Carmen Vicente. Angela is working on the co-creation of Ilari Life Project, a space aiming to contribute a global transformation through embodied education and experiencing personal and collective healing. This was a truly incredible conversation surrounding healing through community, embodied work, and why this work is so important to start practicing now. We hope you enjoy. Thank you, Angela, for joining us on our podcast today. We are very excited to have this much needed conversation and share this important work that you're doing with your community, with our community. But first, what we always like to do to just get started and get a feel about where we're all at is do a cycle check-in. So, Angela, what day in your cycle are you? I just finished my Mondays, my Monday, so I'm in the second day after the, the end of my month. The second, okay, yeah. And Mans, where are you at? I am currently in ovulation, coming up for, yeah, ovulation day 13. All the feels. Yeah. <laughs> and Bells, where are you? I'm day 28, so I'm expecting my bleed any day. <laughs> and I'm just feeling it. We were, we were sinking together. Yeah, now we're the opposite. Now we're the opposite. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's probably not a bad thing. We're <laughs> together. Different energies, hey? <laughs> yeah. And, Angela, I would love to hear a little bit about 
because we were talking a little bit about the work that you've been doing, but I'd love to know about your background and how you got into the work that you've been doing. And, you know, I know that you come from Ecuador and how you've made the journey over to Melbourne and yeah, how you got onto the path that you're on. Yeah. Well, first I think before honoring where I come from geographically, I would also like to think that I am in Wurundjeri country here and I always pay my respects to that part um, because this country, this landscape has received me mm-hmm. with so much opportunity, so much love and I'm so grateful for that. So I think it's always good to remember that although land is land for all of us and it's the same, um, but we do, we are invited in different areas and it's important to acknowledge how fortunate we are to receive right the products of of these beautiful lands from our mother our universal mother so yeah now going back to where i geographically and, and where my lineage comes from it's from the middle of the world it's ecuador in south america um, and i specifically was born in the highlands in the capital 2,800 meters above sea level. So, great breathing capacity right there. Touching it, touching it. Breathing. <laughs> <laughs> Open hearted. Close to, closer to God, hey? Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, well, I started my studies um, back home in Ecuador. Then I, I've been really fortunate to be able to move around and um, I went to the States, studied there, came back, then I was lucky enough to go to Europe and, and be in France for a while, then come back and always sort of like kept on coming back um, to my country. Started working there as soon as I graduated in psychology. I started working um, in, for the UNHCR in a project with the UNHCR for refugees. And that was sort of like my really incredible introduction to trauma in the work with trauma in first displacement. And I think I was way too young to start like that. And I moved away from that and started a different path, more towards the arts and community and started working um, for uh, the Ministry of Culture, the project there, which led into a different interest. Well, maybe more of, in the same way, just a creative approach to dealing with trauma and my own trauma and, and everything that's happening in the colonized countries. Um, so that led me to applying for a master's degree and personal reasons as well. You know, I, I think it was time for me to leave. Um, what we embody in South America as females is really hard. I found it. I personally really struggled with it. Um, the restrictions, patriarchy in its way of you know of being in every in our system in, in in institutions all of that i was having a hard time and yeah i applied for a master's degree in arts management here to relate more to the arts part right but as i was doing that program here i ended up working with vulnerable populations here um, specifically for a young people with Asperger's and autism and on the spectrum. And it was like sort of coming back to something that I had 
had started before in terms of psychotherapy. So mm-hmm. through that, I applied. I thought, all right, first I don't want to go back. I'm staying here, and my colleague was here, and so I applied for a program in psychotherapy. And luckily, again, so blessed here, I got a scholarship and um, moved to Sydney to start my my next part of the journey there. And yeah, completed that. It was beautiful. Um, through that and as my research expanded there, I started wondering, you know, because I've always been into sports. I love sports for many different reasons, practicing sports, but I also noticed that I kept on getting injured and pushing through and pushing through and while doing trauma work and psychotherapy, I was also noticing, wow, what am I doing to my body? Where is this coming from? You know, I'm completely speaking about embodiment and I'm completely disembodied. I'm still pushing, I'm great at preaching about it, but not great at really noticing what's happening to me and how I'm treating my body as a tool rather than integrated as a soma. So it was just really confronting. And then I started, right, no, I'm going to research. What is this? Because I was going to ask you, what was when you were working with trauma um, in France? What was the what kind of pushed you away? Was it hearing people's stories and that sort of impact on you, or just not feeling like you were equipped with the tools to step into that? At that, because how old were you at then? Yeah, so that was that the work that I was doing with refugees was back in Ecuador. Um, uh-huh, yeah, and I think it was both. I wasn't resourced. I yeah, no, one thing is what you study, but then being confronted day by day with it. Mm. Theory is one thing, practice is a completely different thing. And I think at 22 years of age, there's still not, a, your brain isn't completely formed for you to have the perspective, right? Mm. To deal with and to hold those stories of enormous pain. So I was swept away by by the amount of stories of pain on everyday basis. And again, I didn't learn about in university through psychology. At that point, there, was, there wasn't much talk about trauma and how trauma is stored in the body. Everything that we're listening to now, you know, now that we've got incredible, incredible work of Gabor Mate and the wisdom of trauma, everything that's coming through somatic work, I never learned anything of that. Not so. As I was listening and holding to these stories, I, I wasn't caring for my. I wasn't listening to. I wasn't embodied. I was in the mind. So all right, this. How do we structure this? Right, bit of schema right there, and these and that. All these theories that I learned, but definitely not sitting and noticing how am I sitting with this, and where am I storing this in my body, and how this is triggering my own stories. So there was. None of that. I got physically really ill. Um, and, and I won't tell the whole story, but I ended up really ill, ended up in the hospital. And two days afterwards, I said, no, I, I, can't, I can't do this. I need to step away and start another journey more into Pilates and, and became a certified Pilates instructor. <laughs> I <laughs> Which it was great because then I, I got the way in. Yeah, yes, a way in. Like, all right, we're really too tiny. We gotta try it all. Um, so yeah, that was 
Because I guess that's, I mean, that's really interesting, isn't it? Because that's what you learn in psychology, isn't it? It's, it's the way that the mind works. But then when you're hearing people's traumas and you're listening to people's traumas, like you said, that somatic work, it's like where do those imprints actually then live within the matrix of our mm. body? Mm. Yeah. Mm. And, and, yeah, as you say, you know, we're used to all right, so let's listen to the story and, okay, how do we make sense? And people who are telling you their story, they're, they're at the same time trying to make sense of what's happening to them while the body is still completely dysregulated because they're still in their fight, fight, freeze, freeze, appease, you know, state. Yeah. So even if you say something, they're not listening. You can't listen when you are still under threat. Mm. Yeah, because so, you're still in that survival mode. Like you're still just trying to get through day-to-day, like, you know, just looking for the, you know, next day to get through. You're not, you know, there's not like the luxury to have the time and the space to do all this trauma work. No, and at the same time having to go, like they know that they can't come back, going through mourning the death of their loved ones, leaving their land, what they had, the little that they had, coming to a country, having to deal with paperwork and with someone that's, super young in front of them saying okay well this is what you know it, it's it's really cruel to have to go through a system while you're you're mourning so much right mm. it's cruel where have we gone wrong in humanity mm. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I mean it's just even now the current state of the world that we're in and we're all just, we're, I feel like, you know, the human spirit is just breaking even more and all our traumas, we're all trauma bodies and these lockdowns have created, you know, more trauma within us and or, or trauma that may have been hiding that's come to the surface and trying to function and live as a human and, and deal with our traumas. Mm. And deal with the divisiveness, like... Even, you know, like you were saying, Angela, fleeing from a country and then all of a sudden being thrown into a new system and just kind of learning as you go, not feeling that community and that oneness and that wholeness, which we like, that's naturally within us. That is how our natural state should be when we're all connected to each other, connected to community, our land. That's just the natural way of being. But we've, you know, I think that's just our constant lesson in life as, you know, society is to just come back to that oneness. And I feel like things like this come up to try and show us how to do it and how to connect back further. And we either can go into that or we can just create more division. And it's really so upsetting when you've seen patterns throughout history of, you know, people being divisive and cruel to each other and you just think, how do we keep getting it wrong? Like we just need to come back to each other, nurture, look after each other and, you know, look after thy neighbour. There's not really a lot of that. It's now like dob on thy neighbour <laughs> or steal all the toilet paper from the supermarket. <laughs> and back, 
which takes us back to that, you know, survival mechanism, doesn't mm. it? Yeah. But again, survival used to happen for all of us in the context of community. See, you cannot go and hunt, I don't know, the massive tiger or the mammoth on your own. Mm. You needed other people. You needed strategy. We didn't need language back then. It was body language, right? Yeah. It's organization, but that trust that your building, your survival depends on mine. And where is that now? Mm. Well, now it's more like, well, my survival and for my little group here, and sorry about you, I don't even know you, and I don't know if I want to know you really, because I don't know if I can trust you. But again, where does this come from? From more trauma. We are traumatized societies, you know, it's so beautiful, the work of um, and in, for example, Sherry Mitchell, she's a Native American attorney, really, but such a voice of wisdom. And she's bringing, you know, the conversation of where does this, where did our trauma, where did even climate change start? When, for example, slavery started, when we shifted all the people those conditions to a completely different environment, right? Because we are in connection to our ecology. So we cannot start talking about healing trauma individually when our traumas also embodied in the in the collectivity, in our institutions, in our culture, in your own inner family. So we've gotta go back into what happened, where did we started messing up? With everything, with what was organic and natural, we started really a long time ago. Mm. So, all right, now that we're here, now knowing how beautiful, yes, that happened, but now we're here and we get to be these diverse beings here connecting now. So, in this way, how do we create these communities? Because we can keep on speaking about, all right, yes, we need community, but what is my contribution now? What is each of us, how are we contributing either to the division or to creating communities, but inclusive communities? Mm. And, you know, I'm, I'm doing these mentorships with Gavin Vicente, this incredible shaman from, from back home, and she was telling me, okay, yes, no, yes, okay, let's do the community. Everyone's talking about the community. It's great. But community and clan are different things. First, we need our clan, right? You are my people. I am your people. We create this, this clan that we have right now, yes, as girls here and, and, and other people. We create, once we got our clan, community. But remember, and she was telling me, community is not only speaking about that. When you're in a community, especially at least how it works in my country, it's they, if something needs to be built, if someone needs a piece of something being built, everyone takes off their Saturday, okay, here we are. That is community. You know, it's not even sacrificing, investing in helping someone else so that they can have that. Because again, if they're all right, the community is all right. If they can plant, if we tailor to everyone's need, then we're all all right. But if that person, if that little piece of land isn't right, it's going to start looking 
towards the rest of the land wandering and being really affected by it. Why, why not me? Because it comes back to that self, doesn't it? Where it's like, and I think here, particularly in the West, is that we don't have that sense of community. It's always been about I, 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 I need, I want, and stepping away from looking within and looking to see what our community needs are, but then not even knowing how. How do we create community? Like I haven't been in a, um, you know, I have my, I'm grateful for my yoga community and the community of Angier and my girlfriends, but there's never been that real sense of a community coming together where you have your elders yeah. and you get together and you have a project that you work on supporting someone, the active service. And so I feel like that, that we're so disconnected to that, that it feels foreign, that it's almost like we go, okay, I'm here, but we're all like, okay, what, did I, what do I do? <laughs> yeah, where, where do we start? So I'm like, yeah. okay, I'm, I'm willing to, but where do we start? And Angela, can I ask, what's the work that you're doing with your um, mentor on ancestral wisdom? So <laughs> she's a fantastic human being. What she's trying to do is creating community, spiritually, physically, um, Again, you know, yes, my country is also a product of the West right now and of the disembodied, the disembodiment of what we are becoming. Not, it's not only in the Western world, like industrialized, it's, it's happening everywhere. We were all colonized and we're all even, you know, now even more so with social media. We're just like swept into these ideas of self, of what is and me, me, anyhow. So she's been trying to create and bring back this awareness to the importance of community. But what she's doing, and although she brings back, what are our rituals, right? What what used to bring us together? For example, in my country, the specific dates, like for example, the Day of the Dead, it's a big celebration of life and death and we used to make what we call what was the fun which is these breads you know in colada morada which is this oh, so yummy purple thing made with blueberries and all the berries and pineapple and all these herbs and but we used to get together as a family to do this to celebrate but that brings it right that brings the community and people go to the graveyards and have their colada morada and their what was the fun in the graveyard so it's just like a celebration it. of life and death. Mm-hmm. And coming back, little by little, we're losing these rituals. Because other things getting away, right? We need to work. We are in a rush. We're always on a rush. Completely again disembodied. Mm-hmm. Yes? Stopping, isn't it? And, and, rem- and, and it's coming back to a remembering because it's within yeah. us. Mm-hmm. Our cells have that memory. And I feel like more than ever now, we are... Uh, we're craving that yes you said the key word remembering but to remember the body will remember right we know now through Bas and Baldecock and all the work again with embodiment somatics the body will remember the body will remember your own experiences the body will remember what your ancestors went through what the lineage all of these our body remembers right so there's something awakening right now because the earth is calling. 
because you know again it gives me goosebumps to think about the other day again i was in this masterclass with sherry mitchell and she was saying you know if when these moments i don't know if it's happened to you these moments when you're driving your car and suddenly you feel a wave of pain a wave of tears and you start thinking okay what haven't i worked through you know what's going on where is you know these generational trauma and she said it's not only that we are sensing beings we sense each other right constantly like any other animal we're not different but now we're sensing the whale that's trying to cross with its babies in warm water we're sensing the loneliness of the last white rhino we are sensing the fires the earth burning these is the moments when we get this rush of pain is because we're sensing our land as well we're not disconnected we just forgot like, yeah. I'm boiling my eyes out. Yeah, I just started crying. <laughs> oh, there's so much pain everywhere. Like you said, like it's within so many people you can just see around the street, like you can sense people's pain. But like you said, like the land, and I feel like the land has been screaming for us to pay more attention and for us to look after it. And, you know, especially, you know, watching the bushfires and seeing the devastation on animals and, you know, different communities, it's just like, it breaks your heart. And, oh, I just think that these are just, you know, bigger calls for us to come back to the ancestral wisdom that's within us. But, you know, the ancient wisdom that's shared within, you know, the Indigenous communities all around. And I just think if we would learn how to come back to those Eastern philosophies and those Indigenous communities, we would be a thriving, vibrant, you know, synergistic society and living with nature and all, you know, with each other. And I just have these moments where I'm like, ah, why can't we get there? But... Uh, I feel like we the just trauma. need to. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, I feel like too, it's like, I mean, Winnie, my, Winnie who is eight is just experiencing such pain on such mm. a deep level and just to even see the children um, to express that of um, it's just heartbreaking to see. Mm. And it feels like, yeah, we are on a precipice on a tip of, you know, it's either going to go one way or it's going to go another way. And we have a really, it's within us now to actually do something about it. But we're so disconnected because we're all in isolation. How do we do this? <laughs> and Help. Yeah. And it's so beautiful what you're starting to do, Amanda Nima, both of you, just bringing the conversation, Yeah we need to bring more of the conversation because as we as we do our daily life as much as we want to create community and, and support each other right we also have a completely different message from the system and are we noticing that first i think the first question is all right what do i embody 
What do I embody? All right. I, I know that as a female, I embody being a female, being a female in South America, which means oppression. And I know that I come from colonization, systemic oppression. And I know that, and you know, and if you know, okay, this is what I embody, but I also embody tradition. I also embody connection to the land, the, 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 you know, bigger things. So there's both. There's, there's these two things that we, we carry within ourselves that, as you said, Amanda, we are remembering. And something that Carmen always reminds me, you know, is when I tell her, but I miss, I miss home, I can't go home, all these self, self, self you know. Yeah. Land is land and it's composed of the same stardust. And you are composed of the same stardust. All of us, we've got iron, we've got the minerals, we are energetically composed of the same. Mm-hmm. Yeah? So it doesn't matter where we are, here, there, back home. We are still the same, this one great seed mm-hmm. absorbs everything. The moment that I embody that, you know, that, that what happened to me has happened to so many brothers and sisters, right? And how many times have I not seen them as brothers and sisters? Mm. Mm. Yes. Yeah. It's a good question, isn't it? Because we're not separate from each other. Mm-hmm. <laughs> when something feels like, oh, well, I don't really resonate with that sort of ways of being, what is my reaction? My reaction is, no, I don't resonate with that. I really not. But then I'm, I'm forgetting to see what's beyond, you know, what what is that person embodying? How many times do we see, sadly, females, like, again, pushing through and what, you know, and, so disconnected from body again, what you deal with Amanda every single day. Not even knowing, okay, what day of my cycle am I? Like, what a great question to bring at the beginning. I'm so glad that I just finished my cycle so that I can remember where I'm at, you know? Yeah. Out of it. It's, you know, it's, it's being attuned to that being, that's coming back to that wisdom that we do have, all of us, but we're distracted and bombarded with so many other important things, you know, with, I don't know, I'm wondering, and now that we're coming to the end of lockdown, in a week, are we going to remember the conversation, the cycle, or are we going to go back to great happy hour in the pub? I mean, for some, yes, because that's where, you know, the projection is of it's like I need to be in the future, but it's coming back to being in the present moment mm. and learning. We need to learn to continue that evolution because otherwise we're still on that same trajectory of just yeah. we're unaware, of living unaware. Mm. And, that's come, and, and, and I think too, it's also too, you know, lockdowns provide well, it gives us an opportunity to look within. But then again, it's like sometimes looking within, that pain is too much, isn't it? And particularly like in the work that you do, seeing that it's exacerbated times and then there's no there's no escape from that. And again, you know, yes, if, if we do look within, but 
looking within carries so much pain. What do we do? We, it's better to be completely distracted. And what are the distractions now? Social media, everything. There's a distraction for everything, isn't there? You know, it's, it's funny, and I find it so incongruent that we're talking about in, in government and all, it's just like mental health. Okay, we need to hire more people, and yay for mental health awareness, and are you okay, babe? And all of these things, yeah, great, but there's also all these signs of you know, cheap alcohol here and cheap alcohol there and the liquor store is open really early in the morning. Yeah. Um, isn't that violent? Mm. It's violent. It is. It's violent. It's abuse. <laughs> That's okay. We're having one disc here completely. It's, it's, uh, uh, I'm going to call it now too. It's even, it's medical rape. What's happening right now is... You know, it's a it's a coercion of being pushed into something that we have we don't want to, or we we want to have that choice of freedom, and to have that taken away, which has happened time and time again in history, is that we are just repeating the same thing, and it's you know, and that's and I think we're feeling the collective pain. You know, like you were saying, it is it's a ripple. It's us, but then it's that ripple that then becomes a wave Mm. and that's what the frustrating thing is like it's not a synergistic system like you were saying of you know are you okay day but then you see there's you know you can buy alcohol from your phone and have someone deliver it to you you can have anything delivered to you you don't have to leave your house or go and be with people and hug people and have that body-to-body contact like yes it might be great over here but then there are really you know sad parts over here that aren't being properly considered and there's just no synergy in how we actually deal with mental health and trauma and body work and we're also never taught like you were saying like when you were 22 and sitting in front of refugees witnessing trauma right in front of you we're not taught in the west you know how to actually deal with our own trauma how to deal with if something happens to our parents how do we respond to anyone in our community we're just kind of navigating things as we go and just trying to do our best and just trying to you know survive and get through each day and um i don't think it really you know, creates a society of like thriving and everyone being their best and living their fullest potential. Of course, people do, but it doesn't create, you know, a society, a level playing field of everyone. Like there's so many more homeless people now than ever and people just aren't looked after equally. And it's just, yeah, it feels like a really sad time. But then also like you were saying, you know, there's the duality, like there's a lot of this heaviness, this really, you know, awful time that we're going through, but where can we look for the silver linings and the positives? And maybe, you know, there has been some great things that have come out of this and, you know, shifted perspectives for some people or what that's done. But yeah, it's still just, I feel like we all just need like a big collective hug to be like, it's okay. We'll get through this. We'll look back and be like, we're okay. 
but I feel like we're at the point of just like, you know, like you said, man, we're either going one way or the other. Where there's destruction, there has to be creation. Yes. <laughs> or there has to be complete destruction. And then guess what? We start over again. <laughs> yep. Whichever way that is. Yep. Yep. Exactly. Exactly. So there's going to be that, you know, fresh sprouting grass at the end of this, hopefully. Well, let's create that though. Yes. Yeah. Let's be the creators. Yes. We are, and don't get me wrong, I know that it's, it sometimes sounds utopian to be like, yeah, we can, but even if we destroy, let's be destroyed while holding each other's hands, right? If we disappear, I want to disappear holding each other's hand. And then disappear, that's okay. Yeah. But not alone, mm. not disconnected, not just witnessing everyone dying in front of me. I, I want to be in the front line. So if for that we need to be more active, then let's be active. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah and, and of course, coming from, from a different country, you know, I, I find myself sometimes like wanting and, and this is my personal experience. I say, okay, I'm in the front line, climate changing here, and I want to be having a voice and in saying this, but then also feeling, well, will my my my, my permanent residents would be revolting? They find me like all these fears of a system, right? Mm-hmm. And then that dragging, and then feeling like no, it doesn't matter. Gotta do these things, you know. And mm-hmm. I find myself in this moments of no yeah we can do it let's let's hold each other and, and speak about these and be active and then but wait a minute like what am i gambling here and yeah and then i go back into okay it's me no okay if i'm gonna speak about the collective all right and this is you know not only gambling and, and again i bring sherry mitchell who's fantastic stacy hayes she's a fantastic advocate for LGBTQIA plus and embodiment. She, I, I'll send you the links for her because she brings so much wisdom into embodiment. But again, they say, all right, am I ready to observe myself, observe around, and then commit to what am I going to be doing for the collective? In for self. Hmm. Collective first and self second. Yeah. Hmm. You know, there's there's a beautiful thing that um again Mitchell said in, in, in her talk and which is Mama Besco and Alabesco. And sounds so sweet. <laughs> it means I have enough of everything and everyone has enough. So what she was saying is my individual sense of having enough is connected to the collective sense of having enough. Hmm. Because I think it is, it's so fascinating because, you know, the base chakra, is it's, it's related to the roots, right? And the roots, when the roots of a tree go out, they all connect, they connect collectively. And when our base chakra is shook to that foundation, and we're living in stress, fight, fight, anxiety, and we have our basic needs taken away from us, which is our security, 
our finances, shelter, is that we can't then move into that space of actually being able to connect into a reality or feel safe in our bodies and then feel safe in our community because our basic needs have been have been stripped and it's and it's a very manipulative tactic from the government right and i feel scared to even say that right because what am i what's what's at stake here um but it is i i feel like i need to speak up i need to speak my truth to um to then so the collective as well can start to feel like they can speak their truth and we have that you know, within our community, we can speak our truth and not be repressed or, you know. And again, as you, as you say this, Amanda, yes, our basic needs, safety, belonging, dignity, right? When we don't have that, what is there? So again, in a way, we're really privilege here that we have all those needs covered right now for us. Sometimes belonging right now and before and in this in, in the way that we're living. Not really. That's why we're in a traumatized society. So we belong. But at least we've got the food, right? We've got shelter, at least some of us. So yeah. from there, knowing that we do have these and that we can be the agents of change because we luckily have these needs met, then, all right, let's, yes. let's learn more and let's, let's ask more questions. Mm. Yeah. The more we ask, the more we know, the more we learn, mm. the more we can be resourced and we can resource others. Yes. I love that. I love that. Um, Be the agent. Yeah. Agent of change. I love it. Um, I think it might be nice as well to talk about your project that you're working on, um, Angela. Yeah, so, and- Ilyari, Ilyari, like, so Ilyari needs to shine in Quechua. So Quechua is um, the language spoken by the Incas and then various communities in my country, in Peru, Bolivia, that, that region. And the idea of to shine of the reality, it started again a little bit about bringing this sense of community, but bringing embodiment, the awareness of embodiment that comes with a connection to the soma, mind, body, spirit. Hmm. Because I feel that a lot of the mental emotion, I don't like calling it mental because, you know, again, we go back into this, oh, this is, this is something happening here. <laughs> it's everywhere. It's experiences that we're having right now, right? That we're in dysregulated states. Well, I don't like the word dysregulated because it's already implying illness, right? It's just yeah. a, a, reg, a, a state that's not calmness and that's not balance let's call it a lack of balance yeah yeah but if we keep on focusing on that same model of all right let's practice this and that other therapy and it's great 
again, the more you know, let's do some narrative therapy, art therapy, all these things, somatics, but what are we missing? And I think the missing part was the collective. Yeah. So, and yes, raising the questions of ancestral wisdom, what are we remembering what you said? There's this inkling right now for the ancestral. So I started having these conversations with one of my best friends. She is in Sydney at the moment. Um, but when I used to live there, we ended up things of life living together. And she is a natural healer. You know, the people that are just natural and energetic healers with, without even having to train or anything. She's just the source of light and energy that comes to heal. So, um, yeah, we started, we were doing yoga together at that point then started, yeah, playing with the idea of, all right, how do we create these, you know, this idea of bringing um, the soma more into balance and, and bringing other people into the same collective approach and healing and, and learning. Again, we are so little compared to everything that's happening around. You know, we've got so many incredible people doing such incredible work. But the difference is that we thought, all right, there's so many of us here, if I, as I mean, the Latin American community that I don't really or haven't really had the chance just yet either to receive support in integrating this part, especially when we are far away, especially through COVID and what happened. And to bring these that we know that we carry as part of our ancestral wisdom and share it with this part of the world that's calling for it. Yeah? So she's in her journey. She started studying with this incredible um, teacher again, ancestral practices, and she's doing rituals and illuminations and all that. And I'm her guinea pig. She's fantastic. And together <laughs> we've been together the idea of the project and um, hopefully we're thinking January we, we can launch it and, and be there and the idea is all right if we do get the support and work with people that can pay what they can but also through that they can enable others who can't afford it to mm. also enter the space of healing right then that's how we also create collective healing Yes, if we can support certain and, and pay, we can also support others who can't afford the same. Mm. In that way, or or the reciprocity is in it. It's yeah. Or yeah. or let's exchange. You might be an incredible, I don't know, Pilates instructor, and then you give me okay three sessions. You teach me something, and I give you the. And how beautiful, right? We mm. can teach it's a currency. It's the, it's, and that's the thing, isn't it? It's through the dismantling of old systems that new mm -hmm. systems come, and you know, it's a currency. Just the currency is just exchange, mm -hmm. currency of exchanging, right? Because we've that, all got something to give. What we used to do like ages ago, like the community, the native. I love that. They would exchange, and that's how. Again, we go back into the same thing. What is enough for you? When it's enough for you, it's enough for the collective. 
Yeah. And it's changing that, isn't it? It's changing that perception. Um, Something that's really important that I'd like to mention again in this is that, again, we all go back and forth. Don't get me wrong. I sometimes end up seeing something and I want it. And I'm like, oh, wow, those will last forever. And I need to buy that because it looks great and it will make my life easy. You know, we all fall back into these consumers' patterns, but the more awareness, the more we take a minute to talk, really? Maybe not. Okay. But, yeah. We're human, right? We're having a human experience. We're trying to learn so that we, yeah, so so that we, again, if we disappear, let's disappear holding hands and not. A hundred percent. I love that. Let's disappear holding hands. And I invite everyone who gets to listen to start listening more to the climate change talks because I feel that a lot of what's happening right now is a part of our climate changing and how these is affecting every every day of our lives. And I don't want to sound doom and gloom, but I do feel that in a way we can't go back how how do we connect and have a better experience a more solidarity more compassionate kind experience even if we then because I was thinking about that earlier like you said it's looking at other humans because everyone's got a story right we just don't know what their story is and to, have, and to look at them because it's like, you know, and I think we spoke about this in clinic, when we do that eye-gazing exercise, it doesn't matter about religion. It doesn't matter because all we see is we see each other, ourselves in each other, and mm. that's what we've forgotten mm. is to when we see each other is that we're just a reflection of ourselves and each other. Mm. And, yeah, so it's, it is having deep compassion for each other in these really incredibly, well, just in these times, in this current state. And that's what, and that brings me to your other PhD that you did, which was fascinating. But it was, tell us a little bit about that, about your PhD, because it was fascinating. It was um, research-specific um for the, the master's in psychotherapy, and, and it was in self-compassion in women athletes. Mm-hmm. And again, through that, I learned so much, you know, because again, it started with my own questions of, all right, if I keep on pushing it through, when am I going to stop? How, how is it that I'm not noticing or listening or what is stopping me from listening to my body, you know? And I remember one of my teachers from home one day told me, have you ever asked, why are you using constantly your body as a tool? And through that, I, en- I entered more, more of the embodied and I realized I am. It's almost like I've got a brain and then I just tell, push through and then I'm, I can't push through anymore. But there was something else that I noticed what's, what's happening and coming up for me, which was, I don't want to give up because I've worked so hard for this. You know, I a lot of people told me, you can't do this. 
I told myself, I can't do this, you know. All these things are, oh, but I'm finally being seen in this that wasn't possible. And I have to keep up. Again, <laughs> I'm like, why do I need to keep up? But I was that from this embodied space. My body was crying and saying, this is not the way. Hmm. But again, I can I No, it's not listening, is it? And what do you see? No pain, no gain. And for me, that's right. Yeah, okay, no pain, no gain. You know, what are the messages around us? Yeah. Because we haven't been taught. We haven't been taught how to be embodied. We haven't taught how to sit and listen. What does my body need today? Exactly. But while you're trying to achieve something in the sports arena, and then I did so much research in trying to understand, you know, okay, uh, and I went through journal after journal after journal to try to understand, okay, how are they using self-compassion? Because self-compassion has been, and Christine has sort of like opened the way, did so much positive research on that. But then every research paper that I sort of stumbled upon, not every, uh, then I stumbled upon good ones, um, well, what I thought were more aligned with what I was trying to say. But a lot of them kept on saying, you know, yes, self-compassion has been proved to improve performance and self-perception, especially in body image issues. Mm. Again, completely disembodied, <laughs> right? Completely disembodied. So we go back into, all right, yeah, so now there's other tool. Now self-compassion and mindfulness is used for performance. So I'm going to be even better at performing, even if I'm hurt. So I'm going to prevent, you know? Yes. So is it like, no, we miss the point. The point is that when we come back to our body, we're going to listen to it and understand what's it trying to tell me. It's not down in me, but yes, but it also means that I will listen to my inner tears of I cannot perform. And and then I stumbled into competition, right? Competitiveness. Because in sports, it, it was sort of used as a ceremonial thing in different cultures. It was rituals. It was part of rituals and having fun. And then suddenly, it became me against you. You know? And, mm, and that's what war is, right? War is that. <laughs> So again, we've embodied these in sports of I need to be you, my turn needs to be better. And then even more so for females, because we are competing against now the image of males, because males predominate every sport. There's no publicity, not, nothing for females. Suddenly, we're getting a light there. So you've got to be even better, right? <laughs> because we need that space. So that's, that's the message being given. And then you... Look at the interviews done to so many female athletes, and they're asked questions that would never be asked to males. Mm. And on top of everything, we still some of some of us we still want to be mothers and and take that time, but also in your sports routine. You know, in my experience, while I was doing um, training for Ironman and stuff. The amount of females that were, I remember that I realized that I was going to get my period in one of the races. And one of them told me, start taking 
appeal. Yeah, we're shut down. And <laughs> shutting down your natural physiology. Not, will make you slower. Because it is a time of rest, right? <laughs> yeah, it's going against the natural rhythms of nature. Even... Wow. Even, oh, like, really female athletes with um, how they're given certain endorsements, it's mostly around body image and like all the surfers you have to have a great rig and you know look good in a bikini because you'll only be successful and get a sponsorship there where it's like a guy can look whatever and you know it's so it's still so antiquated like it's still so based around body image and how men perceive us yeah so that an extra layer of on top of everything you know on top of already layers (laughs) How many more layers? Like, throw me more layers, then I'll be now completely somebody. So, it's Jay off. The way to feel your body, to move with your body, and and to really come into this close connection of how incredible is it that my body allows me to run and swim and back for for hours? Mm. How incredible, right? It is in connection with this and this. We can do this together because we're incredible. But it's, it's the opposite. It's, I'm going to take this pill so that I don't get this, so that I can make a time, a time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and when you put it like that, right, it's quite crazy, isn't it? <laughs> we're wild. And yet, as females, we go and we do it and we have kids and all these things that happen and, and whole families and, and, and we're cheerful and... It's, it's amazing, but we end up empty, destroyed. destroyed. So that was it. That's what I was trying to write. How do we? How are we embodied? And if we do use self compassion, can we use self compassion as a way, in an embodied way, more than anything? What does it really mean to experience myself in a kinder way, but not as a tool? Really experience myself in really caring about myself. Mm-hmm. Not for an end result, not to achieve better performance, but to hold myself in this space. Mm. That is the Yeah. And just another tool to like learn how to come back to yourself. Mm. even more Mm. and I think when you're in that I mean you can achieve so much more right because you are ultimately listening to yourself and then being able to know when to rest Mm. and then having the energy to go out and train like you I'm sure that if if they were to track that that your performance would probably actually be better if you were following that embodied practice and respecting your cycles and everything, you know. Yeah. What a shame if if I can compete in that because, or if my times are gonna be well, yeah, they're they're not gonna be the same because I am going through my cycle, and that requires so much energy. My body is trying to do this incredible thing, mm-hmm. you know. And also, if we're injured, and that means that we can no longer the support in the way that we were doing it also becoming a body and really having the experience of caring a little bit more 
helps, at least in my experience, has helped me accept that there's things that I cannot do anymore. Mm. When that's, there was that resistance, right? Of what I can't run in the same way because it hurts every day. Like it hurts my my uterus. Mm. And at mm. first I was like, no, no. Then I realized, okay, let's practice that. It's this incredible mm. thing is doing other things. It's releasing you from so many things of the past and this experience of not being able to run from things, to come back to healing things. Part of the, and that, that's literally, right? Literally can't run anymore to run away from things. That's what can't run anymore. Come back because this has been holding on to my my lineage, all of those experiences that are flourishing right now mm. and need to be released. Mm. So there's a gift, right? There really is a gift in that. I love that. Mm. I love that. So how it, what an amazing, <laughs> um, how, what a fascinating research project to, yeah, to see how then it's like we always, puts up like we always look outside and put everything else into something else into another project so yeah I, I can do breath work and then I've got to do meditation and then I'm going to do this it's like why don't we just be exactly in what you're saying oh, but I also need to make time for meditation because you know that's like really great for myself as well and then I also need to make time oh I feel, it's like everything then becomes a one more thing that I should that I must <sighs> You know, Albert mm. Ellis talks about the, that we are generation has the masturbation syndrome. Mm. We must do this, and I must, and I must, and <laughs> that's great. <laughs> oh, and I'm just masturbating right now. I'm just like on my meditation. <laughs> I must. I must. <laughs> that's yeah, great. It's, it brings learning for self it was i think it was a research to come back to what is happening to me you know all right and what was i trying to prove through sports through being this happy through was my belonging really attached to that right my accept being accepted being seen was that it i needed to be seen and i became really good in that realm so that allowed me to be seen but I wasn't seen in, in other ways. And that was something that I needed, yeah, to mm. also work on and ask to be seen in a different context. Mm. And I think it's also too, like, there is aspects of it where it does bring joy as well, doesn't it? Like, you know, it's the joy of, like, that, oh, the runner's high and the serotonin and it's a, it is, like, it can be a way of meditation, isn't it? But then it's when we push beyond our limitations. Yeah. And and sports and real companionship, it brings great friendships. Great friends. It brings community, it brings Mm. sharing. It does, of course it does. But again, it needs to be held from a different space. Mm. And I think in Australia, right, that's where that's where we get a lot of our community from is we get we get community from sport, but we don't really have a community where we go and sit with our elders and 
go and do, you know, the school might have the occasional working bee. That's it. Community is in sporting groups, yoga, Mm. go to meditation together. And what if you're not like a like a, a great super sport athlete like what about the people who feel really vulnerable in the sport arena how, mm. how do they create community yeah how do we create community that's all inclusive mm. you know? so we that's are. the we're work gonna do, we're gonna do a gather so yeah <laughs> we're all just gonna gather and we're just gonna walk aren't we we're just gonna talk mm. we are gonna walk and talk and share and be safe and create spaces of safety. Yeah, yeah, because that's what we all need. Yeah. When we come out of lockdown, this is something yeah. that Ange and I were talking about that we wanted to create of just, yes. um, and Bells, the same to Bells, of coming together, of just being together mm. in, in a community and just walking and talking and not having a set topic, just being with each other. Mm. No, no agenda. Yeah. yeah, no expectations, just embracing. Again, I think in, in these, and to wrap it up, I guess it goes back to what are we willing to do, right? What are we willing to do to create this? What time are we going to set? Because I know that we're all doing things in different areas of our life, right? But all right, how are we going to put on time to create the community that's inclusive for those who can or have access to these, to us, and for those who might not? And how do we invite all of these? And how do we learn from these incredible other beings out there that can bring so much richness and knowledge to us? Mm. Yeah. Yeah, and sometimes just like learning where to start. Um, but maybe that's then a nice segue into our final question and how we do like to wrap up our episodes um, is to ask our guests if you could wave your magic wand and, you know, just design the world tomorrow and how it would look and what we'd all be doing, what would that look like in your eyes? I think going back into the connection to, to, to our land, the deep connection, the balance between knowing how and when to eat what, to plant what, in balance. We are mother, knowing that we come from that mother and from that father and from all of these that creates life. Honoring that and honoring that we are a part of that mm-hmm. in that everyone else around us are with that respect with that balance no no exploitation no I'm a human I'm better than this being that is alive next to me because that being you know is giving me this life as well it's sustaining this life for me so if I could do that magic one I think I'd like to be an Eskimo and be in the connection with the dogs and the wolves and yeah, that, that's where I'd like to and then, yeah, be able to see all these communities doing the same in mm. a safe way, in an embodied way. Yeah. I love that. That's beautiful. Eskimos had never gone to war. 
Mm. As a community. Yeah. Really? Incredible shaman from there. Uh, I'll send you the team as well, but. Wow. Wow. That's amazing. That's rare, which is scary, but that's, yeah. That's amazing. There's there's something in that. Mm. Very balanced. We don't need anyone. When we are in balance, we everything. And because they're so connected to nature and, you know, like looking after everyone, I wonder if that's got something to say. But that's interesting. That's And it's like they live in the most harshest conditions too. Mm. And it's like that survival mode, isn't mm. it, of uh, but being amongst nature and learning how to fish through ice and, yeah, there's something in that. Mm. Mm. Let's be like Eskimos. Yes. Race. Yes. <laughs> And kissing on the nose. I'm going to kiss you on the nose when I see you next. The Eskimo kiss, that's right. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. I love that. There must be some extra century stuff on the nose. Try that tonight, okay? I want you to kiss Dave and I want you to kiss your husband, Angela, on the nose. Try it. It's it's quite sensual. Mm. (laughs) I don't think I've ever done that to someone. Thank you so much uh, for inviting me to have this beautiful conversation. And I hope that our conversations in the future are all right. It's happening. We're creating these communities and people are coming and feeling safe and wanting to talk and share. Yeah. Mm. And in balance with our land, right? With, with hopefully growing a little bit of foods to contribute. Yes. Yeah. I love that. And the exchange. Well, thank you so much, Angela, for your time and for sharing your incredible wisdom. This was the first episode I've cried in and felt like I've had goosebumps the whole time. So it was a really, (laughs) it was a really beautiful conversation. And yeah, I'm looking forward to when we can all hang out again in person and gather together with our community and yeah, start that embodied practice. We will. Thank you so Sounds much. Sounds good. And yeah, I'll be seeing you both soon. Thank you. Yeah, thanks Yay. so much. Love your work. Love you. Bye. Bye. This has been a production of the Wellness Couch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on Facebook.com forward slash the Wellness Couch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.